Hello and welcome to my podcast. I'm Kim Akrig and we are talking about how to combine the metaphysical and the physical to manifest the business of your dreams. If you want to learn how to combine woo-woo and work ethic, strategy and manifestation, then stay tuned. This is for you. Hi everyone, I hope you're having an incredible day wherever you are tuning in from. Today's episode of the podcast is so exciting because in the last couple years since I've really taken my journey into being an RTT practitioner and a mindset coach, I have realized how we are all to some degree controlled by our trauma. And a lot of us think that trauma has to mean something huge in our childhood or previously that happened to us like sexual abuse or emotional or physical abuse. And yes, those things are traumatic and they impact your life in a huge way, but trauma actually registers as like we go into this more in the interview but basically it's any time where you had a significant emotional event um, a negative one and you felt trapped like you couldn't escape there was no way for you to get out of it and so you just kind of had to deal with it and it overloads your nervous system and really creates this very strong memory and anytime you're activated or stimulated by something similar to that in the future your body has a trauma response to it and so when you're young something that seems so silly to us now like for example if you were a toddler and you got dropped off at preschool and your mom left and you thought you were being abandoned as an adult you can rationalize like of course your mom's coming back to get you but in that moment in time you were not aware of that and it might have overloaded your nervous system because you were afraid you were being abandoned you were never going to see her again and it was traumatic for you so we all have incidences like that that happened to us in childhood and This is something I work on with a lot of my RTT clients is like the things affecting them are not, they're not necessarily huge, terrible things, but it's what you made that event to you mean in the time and not how you view it from the present day. So you really have to go back and revisit the feelings and understand what that event meant to you at the time so that you can feel those feelings and heal it and show your mind why that's no longer you anymore. You don't need to believe those beliefs. So I was so excited to be speaking with Haley Kelly today about trauma and entrepreneurship and the relationship to like trauma and becoming an entrepreneur which was really interesting and I definitely saw a lot of myself in what she was talking about maybe you will as well so without further ado let's get into the show Welcome to the show, everyone. Today I'm speaking with Haley Kelly, and she has a master's in clinical psychology and is a PhD candidate at Macquarie University. Her research investigates how relational trauma in early life influences and predicts our capacity to effectively navigate the world in adulthood. After losing faith in the traditional model of therapy, she moved into coaching and now offers individual and group coaching with which incorporates her expertise and knowledge of the human mind and psyche, body-based interventions, and Eastern philosophical traditions such as mindfulness and meditation with a little sprinkle of woo to unlock people's potential and authentic inherent wisdom to help them create the lives they desire. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about what your journey has been to get to where you are today? 
Oh, such a loaded question. Um, <laughs> as I can imagine, you ask anyone that question and it, and it feels very loaded. Um, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey to get to this point in time. Um, I have quite an extensive history of um, mental health issues ranging from you know, the, the mild anxiety that we all get as teenagers, or not that we all get, but that we get as teenagers, um, through to some pretty significant um, depression after the birth of my first son, which was about six years ago. Um, and sort of for the longest time that I can remember, um, I've always sort of had this notion of there must be something wrong with me. Um, and, and I went on a mission to basically find the answer to that, like the there must be a reason why I experience the things that I do. There must be a reason why I experience the struggles that I experience. Um, and so I went on a mission to find out and that led me down the path of going into psychology and attempting to understand the human psyche and human behavior. Um, and then I quickly realized how limited um, our current versions mm. of psychology are and how the answers that I was hoping to find weren't necessarily there. In fact, um, most of the experiences I've had with psychology have been further reinforcing that feeling that there was something wrong with me. Um, you know, that, that I was given labels and told I have anxiety or I have depression or, um, you know, whatever it may have been. So it didn't actually answer the questions. It gave me this really nice narrative, this story that I could tell about my, you know, my childhood and these experiences and these traumas. Like I was able to sort of weave together this wonderful story, but it didn't really help with <laughs> solving that problem of what the hell was wrong with me. <laughs> so um, I went a bit rogue. Um, and at some point in time, I was just like, you know, effort, I'm, I'm done. Um, and, and started really looking externally to, um, you know, some of the more traditional, maybe forgotten modalities that we've, we've sort of, they're certainly having resurgence now, like the Eastern philosophies. Um, they've certainly helped to uncover a lot more for me and helped me to understand, you know, why I do experience these things. And, you know, there isn't actually something wrong with me. There's something wrong with the system um, there's something wrong with the system we live in, but that doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. Um, so that's got me to here. And now I, I literally am on a mission to help people to do the same. Um, it's, it's always been my mission in life to help people to make a difference. Um, and I feel like I have the tools and the, you know, the, the qualifications, the letters after my name to, you know, hopefully be able to do that for people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people would agree with you because it's like, I think the way that Western medicine kind of is, is like they want to give you a label and then you're like, okay, well, what do I do with that though? It's like, okay, you've given me a diagnosis, but like, what is the solution to that? And I really find that a lot of the mm -hmm. time they're like, oh, well, if you just take a pill or go to therapy every single week, then that's the best we can do for you. And um, I struggled with my own experiences with like depression and anxiety growing up. And I was like, I don't want to take a pill. I don't want someone to just like label me with something and be like, well, you just have to deal with this for the rest of your life. And yeah. I think the space is really opening up now for people to have alternatives to that, which I think is really amazing. 
Um, can you tell us a little bit more about like what made you lose faith in traditional therapy? Like, was there a certain turning point where you were like, I just don't feel like this is working for me or what was that like? Uh, yeah, I've been slowly but surely. So I've been practicing um, clinically for going on 11 years. Um, and I guess over that time, it's slowly but surely becoming more and more disgruntled, <laughs> like sort of seeing things happen with both myself, my own experiences in therapy, but also my clients. Like I'm a really good therapist and I absolutely know that in, in the standard model of care, I'm a really good therapist and I have wait lists, my books closed. Like I know that, but at the same time, I'm looking at my clients and we're doing for the majority, I, I have been practicing talk therapy, you know, the CBTs and, and the rest of it. And they weren't getting noticeably better like they weren't they were getting better in the sense that great now they've now they've gone from you know being housebound couldn't get out of bed couldn't function couldn't go to work to going back out into the world like they're sort of functional citizens again but is that as good as it gets like is that is that all that I can do for my clients and I I felt this growing chasm between what I thought I could and should be achieving for my clients and what was actually happening. Um, and I saw that with my own experience as well. Like the, the amount of therapists that I've been to see that we'd sit there and we'd talk for 50 minutes or an hour and I'd go out and I'd feel maybe a little bit better and I'd have this narrative, like I could explain to people what was happening for me, but it wasn't really making an appreciable difference to me. Like it wasn't changing my life for, you know, the, the better or the best. I wasn't the best version of me. Um, and I think that that was sort of the turning point a few years ago um, when I was experiencing um, a lot of postnatal rage and depression and being told by psychiatrists that I was a danger to my child. And I'm like, and that we basically couldn't do anything. Like there was nothing that, we, that I could do that, that I just had to be watched and that people had to watch. And I'm like, what is going, like, how is this the best model of care that we have? Like, this is absolutely mental. Um, so I really started to become pretty disgruntled. And, you know, speaking to my colleagues who, you know, you don't sort of speak about this stuff to colleagues. It's like, you know, you, you don't speak of, of Voldemort. But when you do speak of Voldemort, when you do speak of, um, you know, the unhappiness and how maybe the stuff that we're doing isn't working that well, people really reflect back that they feel the same. Like there's so many psychologists that I have as friends and colleagues that are really dear to me. And we have these conversations, you know, behind closed doors about maybe this isn't as good as it gets. Like maybe we were led to believe lies that this is, the best treatment available, you know? Um, so that was, that was sort of the growing disgruntledness that I had. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, as obviously I'm not a psychologist, but as somebody who went through talk therapy for several years, I can totally identify with that. I was like, we're talking about it and we're talking about it and we're talking some more, but nothing is really shifting. Like I have some awareness maybe about why this is an issue, but like things aren't changing for me. So I can totally identify with that. Um, 
And something else that I think is really important is like with trauma, sometimes like some trauma is so deep that we can't actually vocalize it. We can't talk about it. Like our body doesn't want to bring it up. So for someone who doesn't know maybe how they, they would define trauma, can you just explain it to people listening? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you're raising such a, a wonderful magical point there. You're right. And, and I think that that, you know, going back to the idea of you go in and you do talk therapy and, um, you know, you work through CBT, which is all about changing your thoughts to change your life, right? Um, but, you know, so many people have this experience of, well, I change my thought. I, if I insert a positive thought, a, re a realistic positive thought here, instead of this unrealistic negative thought, then everything should be okay. But what, what people find is um, their body doesn't agree. Right, so so we've convinced our mind, like, oh, totally, I know that that's not true. I know that I'm not a complete failure. Mm. So why does my body feel so different? And I think that that um, goes a long way to speaking of what trauma is. It, it's that most of us um, store trauma in our bodies, um, and it's it's a it's an issue of the nervous system. It's where our nervous system, our stress response has experienced something that has been so big um, that at that point in time, it overwhelmed our capacity. So maybe we're a little person and we didn't have the capacity. Our nervous system was still so immature that that big thing completely overwhelmed us. Or maybe we were an adult and we had a shock trauma. So we're in an accident or something really big and major happened. Or maybe we've been under chronic stress for so long because we're in a job that we hate that we feel like we can't get out of because if we do, we'll be financially ruined. And the accumulation of that stress day after day after day overwhelms our system. And when that happens, we have a trauma response. And for the vast majority of us, you know, this is a really complex discussion. So I'll, I'll try to be um, as straight to the point and, and as not wordy as possible. Not that that was very good English, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, culturally speaking, we don't really speak about trauma, right? Or, or when we do, we have this vision of trauma that it's only those really big things. So it's only traumatic if you've been in a car accident, if you've been raped, if you've had sexual abuse happen, um, if you were held up at gunpoint, you know, these are the only things that we're really taught culturally and socially speaking that, are, that should be traumatic. But in fact, there's a whole realm of trauma that, that could be traumatic for us and is very much an individual nervous system response. Like it depends 100% on you as a person and what you have in terms of capacity at that moment in time, including your genetic profile, what your parents demonstrated, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I think in many, many ways, um, we have to understand that trauma is inherent in all of us. You know, unless you lived in a bubble and you never went out and you stayed in that bubble and you had all of the conditions met perfectly, we, we've experienced trauma. And I think, you know, the quicker that we can sort of come to being okay with that, yeah, okay, I can understand that that's the case. Um, then we can start to figure out, has the trauma stayed with me? Have I managed to process it effectively? Or do I need to do some additional work on this? And for many people, um, you know, 
I've got lists of things to show people when they say, oh, I don't have trauma. And I say, okay, well, are you experiencing any of these things? And like, there's a list a mile long, you know, through to chronic illnesses, uh, inflammation disorders, autoimmune disease, um, having racing thoughts, uh, feeling as though your life is not where you want it to be. Uh, now, not that all of these things in isolation are 100%, you know, would say 100% that you have trauma. I'm briefly interrupting this episode to chat with you a little bit more about rapid transformational therapy. And RTT is such an amazing tool for helping us to get clear from those blocks that are holding us back. And a really good way to tell if you're blocked in an area is, do you struggle in that area like no matter what? Like, do you feel like that area is just really hard? Maybe this is around money. Maybe this is around relationships. Maybe this is around success, but you feel like you're trying and trying, but you can't understand why it's not working for you. There's something in your subconscious that is working against you in this case and we can't get mad at ourselves for this because your subconscious has been creating its programming ever since you were young but the incredible thing is we can change what's going on in your subconscious using rapid transformational therapy and what happens in a session is we go back to the root cause of when this issue started and then we reinterpret the meaning of what happened to you and show you why that's no longer you how you can choose to be something different you can get rid of those old beliefs and imprint your mind with new empowering beliefs for an entirely new outcome. So if you're curious about trying a session, I encourage you to reach out to me either on my website www.kimacrig.com or on Instagram I'm at kim.acrig. So let's get back into the show. But certainly if you're looking at these things then there might be trauma involved. Um, as well as lots of the mental health diagnosis, anxiety, depression, ADHD, um, you know, all of these have, the research is showing, roots in trauma. Mm. So I would, I would show that list to people and, and sort of ask them, you know, how many of these do you tick? You know, maybe we need to investigate uh, a little bit further. Yeah, absolutely. That makes so much sense. And so if the key to kind of like navigating that is like having a stronger nervous system, like what can we do to strengthen our nervous system? <laughs> what a good question. Uh, yeah, so everyone has what's called a window of tolerance. Uh, and the window of tolerance was a term coined by Dan Siegel. He's an amazing, famous, uh, I believe he was a, trained as a medical doctor um, who's really gone into understanding, um, you know, how we function. And he turned this, this, he coined this term, um, the window of tolerance. Everyone has a window of what they can tolerate. So within that window, when things are happening and I'm okay with it, but as, as soon as it gets to the top of that window, so as soon as something happens that overwhelms my capacity, the width of my window, I move into a stress response, which could potentially be traumatic if I don't have the necessary skills. Mm. And for most of us, what it means is befriending our nervous system and how we can do that is starting to um, you know practice trauma-informed mindfulness trauma-informed yoga uh, getting back in touch with the body because the body tells us everything we need to know mm -hmm. everything we need to know is held in our body but sometimes we don't understand if what we're feeling is uh, a trauma response or intuition so for example if 
something in me is like, don't walk down that dark street. Mm. That thing in me could be intuition telling me don't walk down that thing. Or it could be a trauma response because I have something in my history that would dictate that would be a scary thing to do and bad things happen. Mm. And we can use, um, you know, these regulatory strategies um, like yoga, like breath work, um, like the more somatic-based therapies to really starting to tend to our nervous system to create safety where there is no safety. Because for a nervous system that's in trauma, nothing's safe. Like nothing is safe. Um, I remember I was, my nervous system was so fried. I went on a retreat and we were doing a, a day out in nature. My nervous system was so completely fried that um, we were asked to go and connect with a tree, which completely sounds totally woo-woo, but it was amazing at the time. Um, and connecting with that tree, I was completely overwhelmed. It was almost like someone had turned up the dial and everything was felt overwhelmingly bright, loud, like it was literally invading um, my senses because my nervous system couldn't deal with it. It was used to being really dissociated, really cut off. And as soon as I sort of opened the gate a little bit, it was like a flood mm. and it came all at once. So we've got to learn these strategies of creating safety where there is no safety. Mm. We can do that through self-touch. Um, so for example, we can use our hands to, um, to you know, start caressing ourselves, using our hands to start feeling where the extremities of our body lies, like, oh, okay, this is my body, this is my skin, these are my hands, um, and, and different things like that. So what works for one doesn't necessarily work for all, and it very is much, a very, it is very much an individual thing, but it all comes back to creating safety where there is no safety for the nervous system. Mm, that's so interesting because I work with my clients as a hypnotherapist and I've noticed something mm. that people who have had a really traumatic experience in their childhood, they really struggle to connect with the feeling. Like we go back to scenes and I'm like, what's the feeling? And a lot of them are like, I don't know. Like I can't connect to a feeling. And I'm like, okay, well, what's going on for you? And then they'll be telling me. And it's just really interesting because then I can always tell when it's like they've had something really obviously upsetting happened to them because a lot of them really struggle yeah. to connect with the feeling. Like they have to really think about it and be like, well, how would I feel when this was going on? So that's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have, um, you know, these really elegant uh, mechanisms to protect us from those big things, because as you can imagine, um, you know, experiencing that would have been absolutely overwhelming for someone. Um, in many, many ways, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, spiritually would have been completely overwhelming. So our psyche and our body have, you know, created this really ingenious way of compartmentalizing things that are too overwhelming. So I've got this little box, like a Pandora's box of trauma, and I'm okay if the box stays closed. And what that means is when I look at the box, I'm like, oh, I can see the box, and I know there's the box, but I'm not, I'm not connected at all to the box. It's like it's sitting over there somewhere um, and I can see it, but that's my only experience of it. And I can certainly attest to that with my own memories of trauma. Um, I can tell you about my trauma. I can, I can recount word for word what happened, but there's literally no emotion. It's just like, yeah, it happened. And because it was basically my body going, here is the line in the sand. You can't cross that anymore. We're going to stop the emotions. We'll play it like a scene, but 
there's going to literally be nothing in it for you. Um, and that's because if I do allow that to happen, there's a potential to become really overwhelmed, um, especially when this is something that happened in childhood. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to what you were saying before, like when people are trying to tell the difference between like their trauma and intuition, mm. do you have any tips for helping people navigate that? Yeah, that's a huge question. Um, I think for most people, they would require some form of mentoring or um, support in that process. Like, so particularly for people who know that they've got a lot of trauma. So if you identify someone who has heaps and heaps of trauma, I can see it, I know it, I definitely know that it has affected me in some way, then discerning your intuition is going to be really tough because they are intermixed with each other. So, you know, it's like stranger, stranger danger, like to the max for everything, every, like even just like innocuous things, like a phone can become danger and we can really mistake that for our intuition and this is I think this is really problematic for people who for example are entrepreneurs mm. or business people who have to make decisions mm. they don't really have like the structure and support of systems around them they have to make the decisions for themselves and sometimes they can like oh I don't want to work with that client and I, I feel like it's in my intuition that's telling me that but really it's actually something about being unsafe mm. that's pulling me away from working with that client and that may or may not be true. It may be us perceiving danger where there is no danger because of our trauma, because mm -hmm. of feeling unsafe. Um, so I do think that for a lot of people who have that strong trauma history, having a mentor, a guide, uh, a therapist to walk that journey with them is going to be absolutely paramount. Mm -hmm. But other things that you can start doing, again, is getting in contact with your body. Mm -hmm. So what does my body feel like? So when I'm trying to make that decision, if I drop into my body, what do I feel? Does it feel constricted? Does it feel open? And if it feels constricted, can I get curious about the constriction? Mm -hmm. So if it feels constriction, you know, what does, what's the constriction trying to tell me? Have I felt this feeling before? So if it feels familiar constriction, oh, yeah, I feel this all the time when X, Y, and Z happens. Okay, well, maybe that's not necessarily intuition then. Maybe that's something else. <laughs> but really starting to understand your body holds every single bit of information that you need in any given moment. Mm -hmm. And the more that we can befriend the, uh, the body and the nervous system, the more information we're going to have. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And how else do you think like your trauma can kind of affect your entrepreneurship journey? Because I think when you become an entrepreneur, it really shows you all the areas in your life that you're not solid in because sometimes it's <laughs> totally. kind of hide a little bit because you're like, oh, well, this is someone else's responsibility. I just need to show up and do my thing. But when you become an entrepreneur, it, it all comes out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There is literally nowhere to hide. Nowhere. <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. And this is one of, definitely one of my passion areas is working with entrepreneurs, uh, particularly women, but, but definitely entrepreneurs. Um, and we see this really interesting phenomenon. So the, the very limited research that has been done on entrepreneur mental health mm -hmm. shows that entrepreneurs are increasingly likely to either have experiences of, be experiencing, or experience in the future a variety of mental health issues. They're also more likely to have um, either attempted or, uh, or 
or completed suicide. Um, they are also more likely to abuse substances um, and they are, if, if that is the case and we know the relationship between, and this is only hypothetical because there's no research, because we know the relationship between trauma and the expression of mental health issues. So these, these mental health issues like depression, anxiety, ADHD being expressions of unresolved trauma, then it's likely if we are like six times more likely to experience these things, then it's probably more than likely we all have shitloads of trauma, right? <laughs> and I think it's a bit of a chicken or the egg because we don't know if people with, um, you know, who are predisposed to mental health issues, perhaps because of trauma, are more likely to go into entrepreneur um, work because they struggle with the, with the normal nine to five structure, or if being an entrepreneur is more inherently stressful and therefore promotes mental health issues. And it's probably a complex interplay between the two of those things. Um, and indeed, you see even, you know, the, the high-flying CEOs of companies are more likely to have uh, adrenal addictions. Um, and what that means is their nervous system is so used to revving really, really high that they instinctually are drawn into high-pressure work environments. Um, and, and likely, again, no, this is only hypothetical, um, anecdotal, because there is no research, but likely there, there is probably a shitload of unresolved trauma in, in that group of people as well. So did that answer the question? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Even just thinking about my own history and like the way yes. I work now, I'm just like, oh my goodness, <laughs> like, like not being yeah. able to work in a nine to five structure, like being attracted to like risky situations because like when yeah. you're in a job and you're complacent you're like this is boring i need it to be like mm -hmm. more stimulating so yes. that makes a lot yes. of sense <laughs> yeah and that, and that stimulate i totally totally um resonate with that as well that stimulation um in part i have adhd and and part of that stimulation for me i get like a kick out of starting something new so you know with adhd we have a lot of trouble concentrating on one thing it's like multiple things at a time and part of it for me is that hit I get when I find that new shiny squirrel so that new shiny squirrel comes along I'm like oh my god this is great I love it I love it I love it I love everything about it it's my future it's 100% I'm all in yes 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 and that hit that gets released then is that endorphin rush right like that adrenaline rush that you speak of as well and lots of uh, research shows that people with um, or dysregulated nervous systems. So when we have a nervous system that is revving really, really high, when it starts to, when we, when we put it in an environment where it starts to drop, where it starts to slow down, the rev starts to slow down, we get really antsy mm. and we find ways to create stimulation. And things like sitting still to do meditation or mindfulness would feel for that person like pulling teeth. Because you are literally asking my nervous system to stop doing what it does because it thinks it does that to survive. Yeah. Oh gosh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. Well, it was so amazing chatting with you today. Can you tell everyone where they can find you online? Absolutely. I'm at uh, HaleyKelly.com. So H-A-Y-L-E-Y-Kelly.com. I'm also on Facebook, which is HaleyKellyAU. Um, and if anyone, you know, even if you just want to drop me and go, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I feel like. This is the stuff that lights me up. Like when people go, 
like just then when you said that so resonates with me, like yes, I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> There's other people too. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. So there you have it. I hope you loved this episode. It was so insightful for me and I feel like I learned so much. And if you loved this episode, please share it with a friend. I learn most of the things I learn about new um, things that I've never heard of from friends sharing podcast episodes with me. So maybe it's your turn to be that for someone else. And yeah, that's it from me for this week. I hope you have an incredible day and I will see you next week.